Welcome to Gardening Talk, back on 2NURFM, 12 minutes past 12. My name's Phil Bates. I've got the pleasure of being with you through till half past, uh, through till four o'clock, but here yeah, through till half past one to answer all of your gardening questions from Walls End Community Nursery, David Peterson. G'day, David. Hello, Phil. Welcome back after your holiday. Thank you very much, and uh, thank you very much for Mal for filling in for me while I was away. Yes, he ably filled your shoes. I thought but he it's would. Good to have you back. I had full confidence in him. <laughs> And you had good weather, I hear. When I you had were very, away. very good weather, yes. yes. The whole time that I was away, it was just sunny every day, yeah. which I could not believe considering what was going on all around mm, me. So. Right. I'm not going to give out that secret location. <laughs> all right. You're going to keep, keep, that it, to myself. keep it to yourself, right? You don't want too many people on <laughs> <No>. the beach. <laughs> yeah. Okay. David's here, as we said, to uh, crow about the sunny holiday he's just had, but also to answer all of your gardening questions. 49216216 is the number. Write it down. 49216216. Anything you need to know about what's happening or it's not happening and should be in your garden, any problems you're having, but also, of course, any success stories, anything you'd like to tell the rest of the uh, gardeners in the Hunter about and uh, anything you'd like to skite about too. We're here for that on 49216216. Um, well, David, it's the first um, Monday of the month, yes. I believe. Yep, yep, yep. I'm always hazy on that, but we've got um, got to choose later on in the program uh, today's uh, winner for the month of February for uh, 2 new Frames Gardening Walkback, which is where you come around to their place. I do. Have a look at their garden, mm-hmm. give them some advice, which you, you can always do a little bit better when you're there than you can do on the radio. Oh, I think so, yes. you, you do remarkably well on the radio, consi- <laughs> considering gardening's a very visual sort of art. But, um, uh, yeah, if you'd like David to come around to your place, all you need to do when you ring up with a question and you're talking to Diane on the phone, just give her all your details and she'll make sure that you go in the drawer for 2NURFM's Gardening Walkback for March, which, of course, we draw on the first Monday of April. And, of course, everybody who rings up today goes in the draw to win these wonderful things that you've given away, David. And um, they need to be listening at the end of the program. We'll say that right now. <laughs> and, of course, uh, you've brought in one of my favourite plants. It is lovely, uh, isn't it? I'll let you talk about All that right. and everything else. Okay. Well, the plant that I've brought in today is a Banksia variety, and it's called Birthday Candles. And I think probably it is one of the most nicest Banksias that you can actually grow in the garden. It's a fairly new introduction. I mean, it's been around quite a few years, but it's sort of new com- compared to a lot of the other Banksias. Uh, birthday Candles, it looks like a birthday with candles on the top. That's the only thing I can, how, way I can describe it because it's got a, a lot of foliage, very low foliage. It doesn't grow very high at all, only about 0.5 of a metre in height, if that. But it's very bushy. And up out of the actual growth are these candles, which, of course, are the Banksias, and it really does look like a cake with candles on the top so that's consequently where it gets its name from so it's a little birthday candles banksia and these banksia uh, flowers are uh, like a honeycomb color and they look tremendous when they all color up i've seen large ones of these fill mm. oh mm. they just look spectacular yeah, and, and the plant itself is a lovely yes, shape, yes. so they're, they're a good statement in the, the garden ones, too. The ones that I saw, which were fairly large, were in low bowls, and they looked particularly oh, in a, a terracotta bowl, and it just looks like a big birthday cake <laughs> is sitting in the middle of the table or something. Terrific. So that's the plant I'm giving away today, as well as that I do have some other goodies to go with it. That consists of a just a complete fertiliser that you can throw around to promote growth. I mean, not that we've needed much to promote growth at the moment, but remembering by using fertiliser, 
fertiliser that promotes good strong growth, not spindly growth, as of course we've probably had in the garden. As well as that, I've got a box of the plant food. This is the soluble phostrogen plant food, as well as another fertiliser which is called Kickstart, which you can use either for the garden or the lawn. And I'm sure there's some sachets in the bottom of that garden, that bag as well for to give away at the end of the program. There we go. David's giving away so much stuff he can't even recall can't. What's, what's in the no. bottom of the bag. <laughs> Just huge, huge prize. And you need to be listening at the end of the program, but furthermore, you need to be a caller on today's program. Um, surprisingly enough, for the beginning of the program, we've got two lines free on 49216216. If you'd like to grab one of those, you could be on the program very, very early. 49216216. Um, are we ready to go, I am. David? Yep. Okay. On the line, we've got Diane. Diane's from Bulwara. Hello, Diane. Oh, hi, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. I rang you a couple of months ago regarding these dirt hills that appear in my back garden every mm. morning. Now, I went out and I investigated the scene, got my torch, and they're actually these little tiny ants. Or oh, okay. They're not worms. Right. So that's what you told me. I did. Yes. Yes. And they're taking over all the back lawn. It's okay. unbelievable. Can't even walk out there unless you walk in over them dirt. And yes. God knows what. But, yeah, they're really tiny little lamps and they're like... Hundreds of them all yes. coming up out of the ground. All right. Well, I mean, certainly for those, you'll just need. Sometimes you can get a product that's for the um, the worms, or the, the 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 lawn grubs, and things that are all combined together. But certainly, just for ants, you can just get a spray that's basically for ants. And all you need to do is just go into your local garden centre and ask for something. There is also a granular thing which you can sprinkle around, and of course, they get that trapped on their little feet, and they take that back to the nest, and it fumigates yeah, I tried the. Nest. Because I had some ant stuff in the cupboard, so I went out the next night and I tried it and mm -hmm. sprinkled it all over the little things. That will take time. That oh, will take no, time no. because there's so many nests. I mean, certainly you'll probably have to do it two or three times. And, of course, the wet weather doesn't help because it oh, needs no. to be dry for them to take it down into their nest. It can't be wet. Mm. So you'll probably find that sometimes the spray in this case may work a little bit better. So uh -huh. basically what you'll need to do with the spray is mix it up according to directions and water it over your ground rather than spraying because yep. with spraying you're only hitting the surface. With watering it, you're watering it on with a watering can, you're actually getting it down into the soil. Perfect time to be doing it now, Diane, because the ground is fairly moist. So so it'll actually sink down into the soil a lot easier. So I'd only have to, I would have to get that at a gardening place, nothing like Bunnings or... Oh, that's a, that's a terrible word, Bunnings. Oh, we don't like to mention that, but uh, certainly if you can try and get into your local nursery, that's, yeah, that's, fine, that's yeah. what I'd like to hear. Yeah, I'm going away for a couple of months, so I have to think what the back <laughs> to be like by the time yes. Certainly you'd need to do it before you went away then. Yeah, okay then. Thank All right. you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Diane. Um, just before we go to the next call, uh, if you're out on the roads, there's a big traffic hold-up near Hexham Bowling Club due to a truck with a long load. So give yourself a little bit of time if you're travelling in that direction or even better try and go another way. Okay, um, next on the line, David, Peter. Peter's from Ashtonfield. Hello, Peter. Hello, David, and welcome back. Thank you. Okay. Look, I have a, a problem. I've got a, a grey fence in my backyard which I want to cover. Um, with some hedging or some type of plants. And I'm wondering what sort of um, plants would be okay. good or shrubs. Because What's I've that? got a watery uh, drainage easement okay. in the backyard, so I don't need anything with 
that's invasive. All right. Well, something that comes to mind straight away, which are very, very popular, are lily pillies, because they are very, very fast, um, and they, th- they thicken up very, very quickly. You can prune them to any shape or size. There are many, many varieties of those. Right. But certainly that would be at the top of my list. And they're non-invasive as far as the root system. That's goes. right, yes. The root system um, is fairly safe around almost anything. Right. And, um, I mean, certainly I would suggest Mariah as well, but sometimes that can be a little bit of a problem with its root system depending on how far down these drains right. are. Mm-hmm. But certainly lilypillies, Peter, I'd certainly suggest that you um, have a look at uh, a range of those because okay. um, I'm sure there'd be one that would suit your height and size for that area. Oh, that sounds good. All right. Excellent. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks very much, Peter. To John now from Caves Beach. Hello, John. Hello, David. Uh, welcome back. Thank you. Uh, I've got three quick ones. Uh, I grew or I put in some iceberg lettuce earlier and uh, with all the rain as expected, <laughs> uh, I've got uh, uh, little brown spots on the outer leaves which I read up on. I think they're a, a fungus. Mm-hmm. I forget the name. Um, now, the inside's all right, so I'm able to use most of them, but I just wondered, when I've got rid of them all, uh, should I uh, put some fungicide or something on the ground? Or No, because fungicide basically mostly works on the actual plant, particularly when you've got little spots on the leaves because the fungal disease is actually on the plant, not in the soil. So what you're doing is probably a good thing just by picking the leaves off that have these brown spots and disposing yes. of them. Of course, don't put them in compost or anywhere no, like that. I haven't done that. That's no. good. Okay. So just pick those off. You could spray the lettuce with a fungicide, but look, I mean, certainly if you're keeping it under control just by picking them off, that saves yeah. you using any sort of chemical on your lettuce. But certainly yeah. once you've pulled them out, you'll probably find that the fungal disease will go with the plant, uh, and right. so you shouldn't have any problem when you put your next crop into that area area okay now the next one uh i've got uh several yesterday today and tomorrow's some of them are the smaller variety and they're never any problem but the the larger one i have it gets uh the older leaves uh and sometimes the stalks they sort of go brown purple colored and i can't work out if that's normal or or some sort of uh disease. John, I would have to actually see that particular one to know for sure what it would be. Certainly if you're over near the nursery and you just bring a sample in, I'm sure once we visually look at it, we could work out what that may be. Just offhand, I mean, they shouldn't do that, but sometimes with that taller growing variety of Brunsfelsty, characteristic-wise, it sometimes does have a brown marking on the stems. But to be on the safe side, as I said, if you can bring a sample over to the nursery, that would be better. Uh, It's been in for quite a long while, and actually I knew when I got it that it was a bit pot-bound, and it's never been strong, Mm -hmm. but uh, I found by cutting off as much of these deeper-coloured leaves, it seemed to improve it, but uh, they still come back. Yes. Well, we might be best to have a look at that then and see how we go. And now the last one is a similar thing. I grew broad beans this year and I got a very good crop, very strong plants, but towards the end of their life, they looked like they had something like rust on them. They would, yes. 
Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't seem to affect the beans themselves. Some of them were were rusty on the outside, but the beans inside were all right. Okay. Right. That's okay. what it would have been because with broad beans, of course, that's why we grow them during the winter time, so that we don't get a lot of uh, fungal diseases because of the cold weather. But because yeah. it, they may have carried on through into the warmer months, or I think we got warmer months during the early parts of spring, <laughs> uh, that would always cause <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, that would cause a bit of fungal disease. So as long All as right. you grow these things during winter time, you generally um, are less susceptible to your fungal well, diseases. Well, again, I was going to dig them into the ground, but because of that. I didn't. Yes. So that sounds like a good thing. That's always a and, good precaution, yes. And then the same thing, that's on the plant, so I don't need to treat the soil. No, that's right. No, yeah. Okay. Right, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, John. Right, okay. I might bring some purple leaves. Okay, very good. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Thank you, John. Our next caller, David, is uh, Steve from Millfield. Hello, Steve. G'day, Dave. How's it going? Good, thank you. Uh... I've got a problem with a, um, a clover, mm-hmm. one with the yellow, little yellow flower. Yes, that's creeping oxalis. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, I don't seem to be able to get rid of it. All right. Now, it is a little more difficult to get rid of this particular weed because it spreads very quickly, and, of course, it seeds as well, which makes it spread even faster. Yeah. You'll probably find on the bindi, the, the, the spray that we use for our grass, it's just simply called bindi, it does have creeping oxalis listed on it. So it is recommended for uh, any type of lawn. So basically the first application that you do with that particular chemical is to do the entire lawn because there could be areas there that you can't see the oxalis coming up. But certainly spray the entire lawn, then wait approximately three or four weeks and then just mix a small quantity up because you may have just missed a few and that way you can just go over and spot weed, individual weeds, uh, to clean it up fully before we get into the winter months. Yeah, I'm sure I've used that. Uh, yep. It's a matter of person. It yep. just seems to be if you have one little leaf, yes. it just keeps growing. That's right. And that's why you've got to follow up with these particular products so that eventually you get all of them and you stop it from going to seed. Oh, excellent. All right. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks very much. My pleasure, Steve. Bye yeah. for now. Bye. Thank you very much, Steve. All the lines are free at the moment. If you've been trying to get through, plenty of room on the switchboard, 49216216, with the time at 27 minutes past 12. Well, David, um, you mentioned the day we had summer there. <laughs> and I think yesterday was a little bit of a touch of it summer It was too. very warm. That was my first day back at work, and yeah. uh, it was quite warm, It was yes. a hot one. Uh, is it... Are we being too previous if we start getting ready for uh, autumn and winter, or do you think maybe oh, well, look, your meteorological skills? I know, are look, here, and David. this is what I said to a couple of people: I'm not even going to venture into saying whether we're going to get an autumn or a winter this year after the summer that we had. But look, certainly you can start preparing for our autumn, particularly with our flowering seedlings and our winter seed, our winter vegetable seedlings. Mm-hmm. They are starting to trickle into the garden centres now, so I know. That 
that the pansies have started coming through and a few of our winter lettuce and uh, winter vegetables like our cabbage, crolly, cauliflowers, broccoli. Remembering with Brussels sprouts, try and get those in as quickly as possible because right. also remembering that I have mentioned that they need the cold weather to produce the fruit. So if you get those in too late, you will miss the fruiting stage. So certainly get your Brussels sprouts in for those people that like Brussels sprouts, uh, but certainly the others you could think about putting in within the next few weeks. So, yeah, I think I think we can start, even though we had that... Um, <laughs> see, everybody's saying thinking, but because I, I don't know yeah. for sure, really. Who knows the way I know, that... I it's, uh, it's amazing. The, ...the weather is going. Mal actually mentioned last week maybe the fact that we've had such a cool summer means we're going to get an even colder oh, okay. winter. I mean, so he's um, predicted that, has he? Well, yeah, we'll put, we'll put <laughs> Mal down for a cold winter and uh, we'll, we'll sort of, yeah, you're hedging your bets yes. a little bit. Okay, mm. we can go with that. <laughs> okay, on the line, it's uh, Jenny from East Maitland. Hello, Jenny. Good morning, David. I'm a novice orchid grower mm-hmm. and I've noticed in my pots just at the moment, some of them, the bark seems to have a fungus growing in between the layers. What do I do to remove that? Well, certainly if it's a fungal disease, and I know with orchids, particularly with all the humid hot weather that we've had, it does cause fungal disease even on orchids. Certainly just to use one of your general fungicide sprays, something like Mancozeb would be quite okay to use on them. Just mix that up according to directions. Now, if it's down in the bark as well as on the root system, you might just have to drench them with that. Otherwise, you can spray it onto the orchids and it shouldn't have any effect on them at all. Uh-huh, right. It just seems to be down in amongst the bark. Okay. Um, under the top layer. The la- top layer looks fine and then if you lift the top two or three pieces underneath that, it's quite... Yeah, well, that would be a fungi, just like it's uh, like mushrooms, which grow into uh-huh. in these sorts of... Um, areas certainly as i said just mix your product up and just water it over your orchid so it waters it down into the soil and that should fix the problem for you thank you so much you're welcome bye bye gardening talk back on 2nurfm 103.7 with david peterson from walls end community nurseries is what you're listening to and we'll say hello to louise from shortland hello louise hi david uh, my question's pretty simple i've got a large block of land pretty bare at the moment Want to plant some natives? Um, what do you suggest? Fast growing that provide a lot of shade. Okay, then. Well, one of the best ones that I know that um, do you have cattle or going to be on this property or? So, um, horses. Yeah, horses. Look, one of the better ones is the peppercorn trees. They are tremendous. I mean, you often see these in a lot of older suburbs because they have a very willowy type growth. Uh, They look great. Uh, They're really lush and green, but they're probably the best one that I can suggest to you. Um, Something else is probably the evergreen ash is another one that you could use. It looks quite well. It's nice and um, high. It's got a good canopy to it as well. Um, certainly you could go towards the silky oaks, I mean, but they sometimes, when they get really, really large, can be susceptible to just branch drop. But they are really great, and they'll give filtered light as well. So there's just three that you could probably contemplate. But overall, I think the peppercorns are a great tree. Okay, and you have those in stock? Oh, we do, yes, yes. And you can plant them all year round? You certainly can, yes. And they they seem to grow most of the year around as well, and they're relatively fast in their growth as well, so... Right, and horses don't like to eat them? or No, not that I'm aware of, because that's why they were grown apparently in paddocks, because they've got this uh, aroma to them, and I think that's probably why they don't tend to, to worry them. Oh, fantastic. Thank right. you very much, David. Wonderful. You're welcome. Great. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. 
Thank you very much, Louise. And uh, 49216216 is our number, of course. Um, Marie is next. Um, Marie is from Jules. Hello, Marie. Yes. How are you? Good, thank you. That's Sorry, good. there's somebody out the back with a whippers. I can hear that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what no, can I do for I you? A, I have a lemon tree in a pot, and it's got bearing a lot of fruit, but it has the leaves are all curling under, and I have a little bit of sort of a black mould on it. Okay. Well, the curling of the leaves is just simply called citrus leaf mine. It's very, very common for citrus this time of the year. Best procedure there, Marie, is to just go over and trim off all the young foliage because that only contains the insect. It never goes into the adult foliage. So once you've trimmed this foliage off, Make sure that's popped into a plastic bag, seal it and pop it in the whiz bin out of the way because that will just be trapping the insects inside that bag. And then you just need to spray your citrus tree with pest oil. Now, pest oil is now recommended as a general insecticide as well for the garden, but one of its main uses is the citrus leaf miner. But, Marie, there's a little trick to using this pest oil. You've got to do it three times, and you've got to do it at 14-day intervals because by doing the three applications at 14-day intervals, that actually eventually breaks the life cycle of the citrus leaf miner. Now, the thing is, once you before you spray each time, just check your lemon tree just to see whether there's any new young growth with still traces of the citrus leaf miner and just trim those off before you spray each time. But that should cure that problem for you. And you'll probably find the blackening is probably caused a little bit by the citrus leaf miner and I'm sure the pest oil will clear that for you as well. Excellent. Thank you very much for your help. My pleasure. Bye-bye now. Bye. Thank you very much, Marie. And uh, Rob from Cessnock is next on the line. Hello, Rob. Good afternoon. How are you? Good, thank you. I've got uh, two quick questions. When's the best time to prune a port wine magnolia tree? Well, normally I prune mine in early spring because they normally flower in the later parts of spring into the summer months when you get all that beautiful aroma coming from them. Certainly at this year, if you feel you need to prune them, you could give them a light trim just to shape them up for the winter months. But the major pruning is early spring, so you have the rest of the season for it to grow back in. For it to grow back in. And also to onion weed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. We frown when we hear that word. Oh. So where have you got the onion weed? Uh, through the garden there. Is it anywhere near roses, Rob? Uh, no. Okay, well, that's good because the one product that's recommended for onion weed is simply Zero or Glyphosate or Roundup, remembering they're all the same product, basically. Yeah, yeah. And you can actually just uh, wipe that on. I mean, look, certainly the best thing that I can suggest is basically get rid of the adult foliage from the onion weed first yeah. and then wait for the young f uh, f um, foliage to come through. And then just have a little paintbrush on hand. Make your zero up according to directions. Dip your paintbrush in and just wipe it over the foliage of the onion weed. Now, look, you can spray if it's a very big area of onion weed, but remembering anything that zero get, comes in contact with, it will kill. Yeah. So by why I suggest the paintbrushes, particularly if you've just got odd ones here, there and everywhere, it's just a matter of dabbing a little bit on this foliage. Now, bearing in mind you don't have to cover the entire foliage part of the onion weed. It's only a matter of just wiping or brushing it over the foliage slightly so that part of the zero gets on the leaf so it draws it down into the bulb. Now unfortunately, Rob, it's not just one application. Yeah. 
yeah, you probably no, find that you're going to have to do two or three applications to finally get rid of it. But there's no other product on the market that I know of, chemical-wise, that will get rid of onion weed. Now, we've even tried um, mineral terps and yep. sodiumonia. Yes. It, it's a matter of constantly using it to get that. But remembering with those other products, particularly if they're in grassed areas or garden area, they will kill the ground. So that's why you've got to be extremely careful, whereas by using zero, it doesn't harm the soil. It only affects whatever you get it onto. Okay, then. All right. Thanks very much. Thanks, Rob. Bye, Bye. for now. Thank you, Rob. And our next caller is Ray. Ray is from Taro. Hello, Ray. Hello, Dave. How are you? Good, thank you. I've got two uh, questions. Firstly, I had strawberries. When do you transplant strawberries? Because I've got a whole heap of them in the garden, Mm -hmm. and they're looking... Yeah, the bushes are real strong and okay. healthy-looking. I want to know when because I want to dig them out and transplant them. Right. When do you do that? Well, just remembering when, you, when you're thinking of doing this with strawberries, it only needs to be done every three years. You should always leave them in for three years and take advantage of their cropping. Oh, right. After every three years, you can dig the clump up and then select some nice new ones that have formed and then replant those out again. Now, that's done twice yearly if you, if you want to do them. You can either do them in autumn or you can do them in springtime. But as I said, normally you would leave them in for three years to take advantage of the cropping. Um, You can actually keep them under control just by taking the leaders, the young leaders, off, and that will just keep them in a confined area. But you try and leave them in for three years, and they'll crop really well for those three years and then think about dividing them up. Uh, Right, so I just pulled the runners off. You can pull the runners off, the new runners, and they're your new plants, and then you can pull out the old plants and pop the new ones back in. Yeah, that's later on, like after three years. That's right, yeah. Now, instead of taking them out, just pull the runners off. That's right, and keep them contained just in a smallish area. Oh, righty, okay. Thanks for that one. You're welcome. Next one, I'm trying to find some beans, seeds. They're a a flat bean, uh, long, fairly long and, and very, very flat and thin. Yes, well, look, certainly with beans, there have been a lot of varieties that have been discontinued. I mean, we carry a couple of different brands of seed, which you will still find, or you may not, because beans have probably been taken from the stand, basically, now and replaced by peas and broad beans. I've got to really sometimes got to stop and think what season we're in, and we're moving into pea and broad bean season. So you may not have any luck finding them at this time of the year. But look, i tell you what you could try, Ray, and if you've got access to a computer or the internet, yeah. just look up um, diggers in Melbourne. And yeah, quite... I've been in touch with them. Yes, and they couldn't help you? No, they sent, they sent me some, but they weren't the one I'm looking for. Oh, okay, all right, okay. They, there was another place up in Brisbane too Yes. that I, I tried as well. Right. But um, the, ones I, the ones I'm looking for... Um, you can buy them every now and again in the shops, in the mm-hmm. supermarkets. Yes. As I say, they're beautiful, flat, and they probably grow to about you know, 12 inches long as well. Yes. But they're very, very thin. Okay. And you have to, you know, you slice them up. Yes. But they're a very nice tasting meal. All right. I've had them before and I can't uh, find them anywhere. Well, well, the only only problem, only thing that I can suggest there is that wait until around July because the stands, all the seed stands are then changed back over for the summer months and that's when you'll probably find a much bigger range of bean seeds on the stands. Yeah, I sort of reverted back to the uh, to the blue bean. Oh, yes, yes, the blue lake, yes. They're, they're nice ones. So. Yes. 
but uh, I still, I'd still like to try and get these other ones. If, so when I see them in the shop, I always go and buy some. <laughs> I and, and and I really enjoy them. Yes. Unfortunately, I can't buy the seeds. No, no. Okay. Not too worried. All, All right. right. Thanks for that, Dave. Thank you, Ray. Have a good day. Bye bye now. Bye. Hello, Peggy. Good afternoon, David. I've got a couple of questions to ask, mm-hmm. but I also can help that man with beans. But I've got snake beans. Oh, yes. That climb. Yes. And they're heavy croppers. They've got a very black seed, um, and and I have some spare seeds if you'd like. Oh, okay then. Now that was Ray of Taro that rang about the uh, bean seeds. Yes. So perhaps if we just ask Ray to ring through to Two N U R again, and that way we can take his phone number, and um, vice versa if we can take your phone number, Peggy. Right. Um, but Phil will pop you back to. Diane, after we've finished answering your calls to do that, okay? Well, apart from that, I've been trying to raise lychees from seeds. Yes. I've tried for years and no success. This time I was talking to a, a lady at Stewart's Point who has a nursery and she suggested I might um, put them in hot water for a while. Oh, okay. Which I did. Mm-hmm. I could get the skin off then, and I'd left them in the water for a, a week or so, and you wouldn't believe it, that they had little shoots oh, coming okay. out the end. Great. Then I decided to take the skin right off, put them into a pot, and nothing's happening. Yes. <laughs> and well, I'm just frustrated. Yes. No, well, of course... everything grows from seeds yes. eventually. Well, remembering, too, that lychees are more of a tropical thing, so therefore they require the warmth to actually make them shoot away. And, of course, we're stepping into our autumn months, basically, now, where our temperatures are probably going down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that's possibly why you're not going to notice any great signs. I, th- I think I would persevere with them until... And leave them in the pot, and, yeah. and, and perhaps in springtime they may start to shoot away for you. They may be still growing extremely slowly, even though you can't see it. They may be sending out some roots, but probably not some upgrowth. So they may still, if they don't rot away over the winter months, shoot away in the springtime for you. Look, I've had them planted for years in pots, and they stay just as you put them in. Oh, okay. So that doesn't do anything, yes. but I'm hoping that... You know, as you say, maybe in spring these who had started to shoot, and then I thought maybe I shouldn't have taken them out of their shell. Mm. I think the only other thing too, Peggy, that I would suggest is, particularly during the winter months, is that you don't keep them too wet. I mean, even if they're a little bit on the dry side, because they're fairly dormant during the winter months, they wouldn't require a lot of moisture, because the more moisture they get around them, the colder and the wetter they're going to become, and that will rot them away as well. Okay. okay, it's very good. Um, and I heard you talking about the pest oil. Yes. I can vouch for it. It's really wonderful for yes. lots of things that, in the garden. Yes, it's a good general spray now to use. It is, mm. and um, it keeps some of the stink bugs off. It's yes. Off the lemon trees as well. Yes. And um, anyhow, all right. Well, if nice you to have you back on yeah, here. Oh, thank you very much, Peggy. If you just hold the line, Phil will just pop you back to Diane, and she'll just take your phone number so we can pass on that information to oh, Ray about the beans. Right. Thank you. Thanks, Peggy. Thanks, Peggy. Just hold the line there, and uh, next we talk to Wendy. Wendy's from Foster. Hello, Wendy. Hello, David. How are you? Good. Thank you. 
That's good. I've got a camellia, or a few camellias, and they've got brown markings on the top side of the leaves. Mm-hmm. What would that be the cause? Well, sometimes it's a couple of different things. First of all, it can be a scorching, and I know sometimes that we, this year particularly, we haven't really had hot days, but we've had a lot of overcast days. And then if we get a sunny day that's very, very hot, we get sometimes get a scorching on things very, very easily, particularly if the soil around the, the um, camellias are a little bit on the dry side. So it's just just scorching. Sometimes it could be a problem as far as fungal disease, but I think more so it will be just be the scorching because we've had a lot of overcast days and then we get one really sunny day and that does yeah. cause a bit of scorching. Yeah, well, they look quite healthy, mm. so yes. that's probably what it is then. And you'll find with those leaves that have been scorched, Wendy, they may eventually just fall off to make yep. way for all the new growth that appears mm. after they finish blooming. Right, okay. Now, also, I've lost my copy of your fruit, fruit fly trap. Yes. The recipe for that. Could I get you to repeat that, please? Certainly. I can actually do that straight away for you. Mm-hmm. So for the one litre of water, you need mm-hmm. two teaspoons of sugar, mm-hmm. t- two teaspoons of vanilla essence, yes. and two teaspoons of cloudy ammonia. So, okay. so you then just shake that mixture up. And then you put a small quantity of that just in your fruit fly trap that you've made up. Okay, righty-o, that's great. All right. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you very much, Wendy. Muriel from Cameron Park joins us now. Hello, Muriel. Hi, David. Uh, I'd just like to ask you about, uh, we bought two Rabinia trees. Yes. And they're the same height. We put them in different parts of the yard. One has grown to about six foot tall and the other one's still the original size. Mm-hmm. They've been in about six months. What, um, is it all right to move that small one and perhaps we were thinking to buy an advanced one again. Okay. Well, what I would suggest, if you possibly can wait, Muriel, until they lose their foliage for the winter months. Right. Because that way they're going into their dormant period. I'm just thinking it may be just the root system of the one that hasn't grown at all. Has it got foliage, by the way? Yes, it has. Okay. So it may be just the root system that certainly probably hasn't um, progressed on like the other one has. So it may be just a matter of digging it up and looking at the root system and perhaps replanting that again unless you want to replace it entirely by a new one. Mm. So but, um, The other one's quite tall, so I thought I'd like to put a... A bigger one in, okay. Yes, that's right. And well, um, it's very clayy, the soil, but we did dig around and put, um, uh, you know, to make the clay, yes. Gypsum, yes. And everything in there and some um, good mix, good earth around it mm. before we put it in but it just hasn't moved. All right. So are you intending on replanting this this old one somewhere well, else? If I could, I would. Yes. We've got quite a large yard. Yes, so well I... that's that's what I would do. I'd wait until winter time till it has lost its foliage. That way you're going to move it successfully without actually disturbing it too much. And you could still, I mean, certainly if you found another one to replace it, you could still uh, plant the other one uh, and it'll be ready to shoot away, of course, for next spring once we come round to that season again. So. That's right. So the soil's not too, um, won't be too cold to plant it. Oh, not at all. Not, a, not at all with dormant things because they're in their sleep mode. So they'll be ready then to shoot away for the spring months. So oh, they'll be all ready good. to go. All right. Thank okay. you. Thank You're you welcome. Much, David. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. 
Thank you very much, Muriel. Um, Marie from Katara is next. Hello, Marie. Hi, David. Uh, just a simple question. I've got spiders and the webs in my garden. How do yes. I get rid of them? I don't <laughs> like killing them. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, um, that's. I mean, I know I've got um, hordes of those spiders that, you know, they get a, a, um, a, a dead leaf and they live within the dead oh, leaf. Oh, the leaf curl spider. They're everywhere. Yeah. Oh, right. They're everywhere in my garden. Every time you go out, you always walk into one. So, of course, I just squash them with my fingers. That's oh. killing them. Oh, well, sorry, I shouldn't have mentioned that, should I? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> because I don't want to be going out again and uh, falling into them. But I don't know of any product that you could spray that won't harm them. I mean, because most things that I would suggest would harm them because they're a spray to actually kill them. So. Right. Yes. I just thought there might be something to deter them. So just normal insect spray. You could use that or else um, you can use just a general insecticide that's used for general use in the garden. That would often get rid of them as well. Something like some pyrethrin and even perhaps um, uh, the pestor may get rid of them as well, even though it doesn't have it listed on the label. Oh, okay. I've got Comfidor. Uh, you could try that and see how it goes because it's once again recommended as a general insecticide, but by law I can't say that it will kill them because it's not on the label. Oh, okay. Rightio then. All right. Thank okay. You, Thank you, Marie. Bye-bye. Thank you, Marie. Three minutes to one news coming up at one o'clock, but we've got Marion now from Hillsborough. Hello, Marion. Oh, hello. How are you? Good. That's good. Um, David, I'm just asking about a bottle brush. Yes. Um, I've got a big one in my front yard. It's not the lovely green hanging ones. It's a bit of a spindly, ugly looking thing. <laughs> all right. Um, but it's all dead in the middle. The, the greenery on the outside is mm-hmm. okay, but it's all dead in the middle. And I just wanted to know with the natives if it's all right to give them a really good um, cut back mm-hmm. so that that could, you know, thicken up. Well, certainly not with all natives, but certainly with bottle brushes, I have seen them cut back very severely into the fact where I, you know, I'm giving an example here of one that was about four or five metres high and it was cut back to a metre, so only the trunk was left. And believe it or not, it actually shot out of that trunk very, very easily. In saying that, it's not a quick-growing thing once you've done a, a dramatic prune like that, but it will reshoot out of very, very old wood. Now, Marion, also I wouldn't suggest to do that at this time of the year. I would wait until spring so that you've got the rest of the season for it to grow back in. But, yep, certainly you can cut it back very hard, get rid of all that dead area, and it should shoot back with nice, good growth. Right. Now... Um, could you recommend somebody to do that for me? Well, certainly if you if you ring the nursery, we do have a maintenance section now within the nursery and I'm sure if you um, leave a message for Tom, he will get back to you with an answer there. Okay, great. Thank you very much. You're for that. welcome. Thank B- you. Bye-bye now. Bye. Thank you very much, Marion. In our um, old garden in New Lantern, I'd, I'd planted a, a bottle brush far too close to the front veranda, and it used to fill the front veranda occasionally. And I used to cut it back mercilessly mm-hmm. year after yes. year to, you know, it was a stump maybe about six inches across, <laughs> and every year back yeah. it would come. It was the most forgiving of plants. I mean, and we wouldn't say that normally, as I said, about no, other natives, no. but certainly with bottle, bottle brushes, brushes they well, shoot back very they're quickly. They're just so hardy. Anything we need to talk about first, David? There is, Phil, oh, the winner. Right. The oh, winner of course. Of How could I forget the winner of 2NURFM's Gardening yes, Wolfpack competition? Yes. Who is it, David? So this is, of course, for February, and the winner, well, I said the winner's name is Janet Burford of 
uh, Blackalls Park. So congratulations, Janet. You'll be hearing from Tuanua very, very soon. Okay, so Janet gets you to, to come round to her place. Yes. Have a look at her garden, give some well, advice from does. right there. She and may then. not want me, Phil. I think she probably does, David. <laughs> And, of course, everybody who rings up and is part of our program gives their details to Diane, goes in the draw to win two in URFM's Gardening Walk Back with David for March. That's right. I know, um, it's slipping by, isn't it? Is, it is. The year's almost gone, David. <laughs> and uh, we tell you all about that, that on the first program in April. Of course, everybody who is part of the program today goes in the draw to win these beautiful things that David's giving away. You need to be listening in oh, around about 19 minutes' time when David tells you who the winner for today will be. Ready to go, I David? am now, Phil, yes. Okay, Kate from Lambton is on the line. Hello, Kate. Hello. I could have joined in that conversation any time there. <laughs> you could have, yes. Line was open. <laughs> um, yes, thank you. Um, I have a bird of paradise. Mm-hmm. Um, took it out of a pot a couple of years ago and put it into the ground, and it just sat there sulking for the last two years. And uh, a few weeks ago, I was working near it, and I had a garden fork, and I said, your day is coming. Anyway, a week ago, it's thrown about 10 flower heads. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I think threats are, you know. Yes. Well, we keep mentioning that on air about threatening things if they don't flower or they don't grow. I can't believe it. One is actually, you know, it's got a beautiful flower head on, and the others are all ready to pop. Mm -hmm. What I want to know is how long do the flowers last, and do I have to wait till they before I can divide it? It's probably a good idea, yes, to wait until the flowers finish before you go splitting it up. I mean, normally we would say splitting up of um, Bird of Paradise is done in springtime rather than at this time of the year because by doing it once again late in the season, things just stop. They don't do anything over the winter months. So if you can avoid splitting it up until springtime, that's a much better time to do it. As far as the flowers, how long they last, well, I mean, I think they last for quite a few weeks once the flower is completely out because it does take a while for the flower to come out fully anyway. So you're probably looking overall about a month that the um, the flower would last once it's fully out. Okay. Right. Okay. So, and you just sort of put a spade or something in between to, to divide it? Or? Yes, you can, but the remembering as the, as the clump gets bigger, you need more than a spade to actually split something like a bird of paradise up. And I know for a fact people that have got huge clumps of bird of paradises have had to get a backhoe in to get them oh, out. Hey. because Yes, because they have an enormous root system. The roots are quite thick, even on a small plant, and you'll notice that when you go to try and divide it. Oh, Okay. All right, I'll have, to, I'll have to bring in some muscle. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, I have an Escalonia, which is beautifully flowering, but it was crowding some other things, and one of my daughters pruned it for me. Mm-hmm. My goodness, did she prune it? Okay. Um, how heavy can it stand, a pruning? Well, actually, it can, it can stand a very heavy pruning, the Escalonias, because, once again, these are one of the plants that will shoot out of fairly old wood. Yes. So I don't think I'd get too upset about that. I'm sure you'll probably find it will shoot back quite quickly. Ah, great. Um, <laughs> Have I just still- saved her head? <laughs> <laughs> Is it too early for sweet peas? Um, 
Considering the weather, I mean, I haven't started getting sweet peas in the nursery as yet because I had someone ask me yesterday about them and, of course, I had to stop and think, oh, wait on, we are in March and we always have to like to start planting from St. Patrick's Day for sweet peas. So I'm going to have to really think very, very seriously in the next week, I would think, whether I want to... I'd say I will get them in from from next week, yes. Right, okay. Um, I have a New South Wales... Sorry to hold you up. That's quite all right. this up because I've missed the show the last few weeks. Okay. Um, I have a New South Wales Christmas bush. Um, it's been in about 18 months or so. It's only about 40 centimetres high. Do I need to fertilise it? The only fertiliser I'd use on something like a New, Zealand, a New South Wales Christmas bush is just some blood and bone because it's nice and safe and you shouldn't have any problems with that. Right. I've noticed the branches are growing to the sides. They're not actually growing upwards. Snip those. If you've got growth coming from the side, snip them back about halfway and it will promote more growth for you. Oh, good. Right. All right. I think I'm done. Thank you. Good to hear from you, Kate. Okay. Thank Bye-bye. You. Bye-bye. Thank you, Kate. Uh, I don't think Kate's daughter applied to you for a pruning license. No, she, David? no. Oh, right. um, it's normally the men, as I keep saying, Phil, that prune things back I th- very I think severely. We are the more savage gender yes. when it comes to pruning. Okay, uh, Lorna from Katara is on the line now. Hello, Lorna. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. Yeah, I have a camellia tree. I'm not sure how long I've had it in. It could be three or four years. It hasn't grown a real lot. But it's full of bud, but I would, what I'd like to do is transfer it to another spot. Would I be able to do that? No, not yet. Wait for, oh, the not fla- yet. <laughs> Wait for the flowers to come out, because if you go moving it at this time of the year, all those buds will fall off, so you've missed a whole season oh, of flowering. Okay. So oh, right. wait until it finishes, and that's actually a perfect time then, oh, once okay. it's finished blooming, because you can just trim it back lightly if possible, yeah. and then move it, and it will grow successfully. It will shoot away very successfully oh, for really you. Oh, really good. Yeah, I was worried. I really want to put it in another spot, but I thought, oh, maybe it's too late to do yes. it. Yes, now take advantage of the flowers first, mm-hmm. and then move it. Oh, thanks for that, David. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you, Lorna. Um, to Robin now from Raymond Terrace. Hello, Robin. How, how, how are you? I'm very well. That's good. Um, I'm ringing about um, Washington Naval orange tree we have. Yes. Um, it's got like curly leaf on it. The leaves have all been rolled up. There's like little spider thing in there. Yes. Um, hubby's um, sprayed it with white oil. Is that the correct thing or not? Once again, I'm going to repeat this on air so everyone can hear me. Throw out that white oil and replace it with some pest oil. Pest oil, I meant. Oh, okay. Well, you've done the right thing there. I hate white oil, so we we should always replace our white oil with our pest oil for those that have still got white oil in their cupboards. So I've said it again, Phil, and I'll probably have to repeat it again. We're all starting to learn. Yes, very good, very good. So first of all... Okay, pest oil is great because it's a nice safe one. You can actually use that up to 50 degrees in temperature quite safely. Not that we'd use it in 50 degrees, but certainly it's great for that purpose. Uh, Robin, first of all, you've got to go over and just trim all the young foliage off your... Uh, orange tree because that's taking away most of the disease first so if you can just try and trim it back gather up all those leaves that you've um, cut off if it's a fairly large tree put them into a plastic bag seal it and throw that in the whiz bin don't use it as compost because that's containing all
all those insects. So okay. you've got to get rid of it. And then you spray it with the pest oil. Okay. And then you repeat that again in 14 days' time, that same procedure, and then once again in 14 days' time. So you're doing it three times to try and break the life cycle of that particular bug. Okay, okay. Right. No, we've been having trouble with this tree. Um, it wouldn't set fruit, you know, it'd flower and oh, flower. Yes. And the fruit would just drop off. Well, last year we got one size, about mm-hmm. a tennis ball. It actually got to half ripe. And fell off. And this year it's got half a dozen on it. Oh, okay. It's, um, getting bigger. Right. But um, now it's got this, when yes. all the new shoot came on it a few weeks yes. ago, it's got this in it. So. Well, certainly, Robin, to keep in mind for the winter months when we feed a lot of our citrus trees to get them ready for flowering in spring, mm-hmm. not only give it some uh, citrus fertiliser, give it yeah. some potash as well, because potash is actually a flower and fruit producer. Yes. So that will help it into its fruiting stage. Yeah. yeah All right? Yeah. No, we had to put the citrus food on it before yeah. and we did use some Pot- um, potash. Oh, Somebody very good. said sometimes, I think it was you I rang last year, I think, um, they take a while to bear sometimes. Sometimes they do, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay. All well, right. That was the... Um, Pest oil, oil, yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you very much, Robin. And See, people are learning and listening, Phil. They are, and that's a, that's a heartwarming thing, yes, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yep. Uh, Emily from Gwendolyn is on the line now. Hello, Emily. Emily. Oh, hello. Hello, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was talking to my husband. We've got... I've just one, I've just got one question to ask. Yes. Um, we've got a fig uh, tree, mm-hmm. which we've got heaps of fruit on it. And my husband has a fruit fly trap. We've cut some fruit up, and some of the fruit has got that little bug in it, you know? Now, we've thrown the fruit, the the figs with the worms in it, in the garbage tin. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we came home last night, the garbage tin was full of maggots. Yes. Has that got anything to do with the... With the um, Thing that were in the yes, that's exactly what they were. That's what fruit fly is. They lay the eggs inside the fruit, and then you find that all the maggots start hatching and they start eating away at the fruit. So that's exactly what's in your garbage bin. So what do you recommend that we do with the figs with the with the maggots in it? I think. What do you, sorry, what yes. do you what do you reckon we should do when we empty the fly trap? Okay, what I would recommend that you do with the actual figs is probably put them in a plastic bag or something to try and um, seal those in the bag and then throw them away so that they're not getting out and crawling everywhere. And certainly with the the fly trap, you just need to just flush that out and renew it with some more fruit fly bait. So have you been mixing your own fruit fly bait? No, my husband buys the... um the trap. Oh, okay. All right. Well, with the trap, the trap is designed basically to last 12 months. And then quite often you can buy the baits that go inside the trap ready for the next season. But So you wouldn't need to worry about that now. Just leave the trap as it is in the tree until next spring and then replace the, um, the wick that's inside. Okay, but with the dead ones, with the dead flies, yes. can you just put them in the garbage? You can, you can. You can just throw them away because they'll be dead and they're not going to do any more harm for you. Okay, so it's just the figs with the worms in it. That's right. The just pigs. put them in a plastic bag and then throw them into your garbage. Okay, thanks very much for that. You're welcome. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you very much, Emily. Um, we go now to Bob from Lake Manmora. Hello, Bob. 
Hello, David. Lovely to speak to you. Thank you. I'm just about to turn my soil after the summer, or what summer you could call it. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, I've been told just to uh, sprinkle lime on. Yes. That good, do I dig that in or to put that on top after I've uh, turned the soil? Okay. Well, what you can do is you can sprinkle some lime on the top of your soil and also a good complete fertiliser in there as well and then just dig it all through. And that only needs to be dug through spade depth. So you don't need to get it down very deep. You yes. just need to dig it in very, very lightly. And basically, Bob, why that's been suggested to you is that it actually sweetens the soil. It brings the soil back to its right level, ready for your next crop of things that you're putting into there. For the winter time? Yes. I righty. And uh, you just let the natural rain soak it in? You can do, um, because that... Groundwater has got nothing to do... Nothing similar to, to rainwater. No, of course it hasn't, no. Well, you, you really don't have to water these products in. Once you dig it through, the soil's ready to be planted out anyway, so it's not a matter of actually watering the soil until you put your new plants in to water those in. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks for that information, Dave. You're welcome, Bob. Bye for I now. Like the okay, bye-bye. Thank you very much, Bob. 23 minutes past one and uh, not entirely sure who we've got on the line here. So we'll just say hello. And you're talking to David. Uh, hello, I'm Gary from Fern Bay. Hello, Gary. What can I do for you? Thank you, David. I won't hold you up too long. That's all right. I bought a blueberry, a young blueberry uh, bush. I presume that's what they are. Mm -hmm. And I want to put it in a pot. Yes. And I'm just wondering, <clears throat> what do you recommend? Um, to, uh, what type of soil? Okay. All right, I'm glad you brought that up because blueberries can, sometimes can be a little bit difficult to grow in the ground because they're an acid-loving plant. A bit similar to an azalea or a camellia, they like acid soil. So basically all you need to do is just to go into your nursery and just ask for a potting mixture that's designed for acid-loving plants. And they do very, very well in that. Um, they, you just need to feed them, of course, occasionally with a good complete fertiliser, something that's organic as well because you can't feed fruiting things in pots with citrus fertiliser. Uh, even though I'm saying citrus, it's generally a combined fruiting fertiliser. So just an organic fertiliser and an acid potting mixture is all you really need to get, Gary. Right, thank you. And do you sell that? We certainly do, yes. I'll be out there to get it then. Very good. See thank you, you then, Gary. Bye-bye. Thank you, Gary. All lines are free at the moment. If um, you've tried to get through and couldn't, 49216216, you've got six minutes to uh, talk to David. David, there does seem to be a little bit of um, interest in people growing blueberries at the mm -hmm. moment. They're, they seem to be sort of like the fruit of the, the moment. They are great. Yeah, oh. uh, but I've always thought that we... We're sort of out of the berry sort of um, no. climate, but we can Not with blueberries, because you can get various varieties of blueberries, and the ones that, of course, generally that are sold in nurseries these days are more suitable for our climate that we do have. Right. I can remember years ago that... Um, <coughs> excuse oh. me. Uh, something went down then. Uh, I can remember years ago we, we grew some blueberries. We grew them in the pots, as I yep. suggested, in an acid potting mixture. They cropped tremendously well. Right. One precaution I will give yep. in saying that is that the birds love them. <laughs> so if you've got birds in your area, you would have to net them because they will get to them before you do. I can assure you of that. Right. And that would be an advantage of growing them in a pot, I suppose. They're, they're easier to net. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yes. Because they, they only really grow to about 
about two metres at the very, very maximum um, and only about a metre wide, but they do crop mm-hmm. extremely well. They're not the, the overly handsome-looking plant because right. they're very sticky and the, the, the fruit actually forms on these funny little sticks and things. Oh, right. So they have, they have leaves, but they're not really an attractive sort of plant, but certainly the berries make up for that. Okay, and then you can make muffins with them. Can you? Okay, I just would eat them off the plate. They wouldn't even reach the muffins. (laughs) Okay. Um, 26 minutes past one. Um, We've got a couple of calls just coming in. We'll just wait and see who we've got on the line here. Uh, um, Bronwyn from Waratah. Hello, Bronwyn. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. I've got some um, ornamental pear trees that I wanted to put in the front yard. Yes, and apparently they grow quite big, about to 11, 14 metres. These are the, and these the ornamental, are they? Or they're, yeah, okay. Well, depending on which ornamental one you've got, most of them will grow quite large, except um, there are various varieties which grow different shapes. But the majority of them, you can be probably assured that they'll reach about seven metres high, which is quite large. Um, so just be aware of that. You can cut them, of course, just by each wintertime in the dormant period. You can cut them down and keep them a little bit under contained, but certainly they should reach that seven metres. Um, I've got very heavy clay soil. That will stop them from doing that, of course. It will slow their growth down uh, and probably prevent them from getting that high. But make sure, of course, you start them off in reasonably good soil because otherwise you won't get any growth at all. They will just be laying dormant. Okay, good. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye for now. Thank you, Bronwyn. And um, next on the line, it's Michael. Michael's from Abermain. Hello, Michael. Oh, hang on. Uh, fat finger syndrome there. Are you with us, Michael? I am indeed, yes. Right. Um, uh, question uh, whether you can identify or tell me if there's such a tree as a wheel tree. Wheel tree? Yes. There's certainly a plant that's called the Queensland firewheel Queensland, tree. Queensland, yes, yes. It comes out in uh, the orangey sort of flowers that look like a wheel. Yes, uh, you, that's right. You mostly see them up north, but certainly they still can be grown down in our area. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Well, well my, my neighbour has one. Okay. When we moved here 30 years ago, um, we, we discovered it, and um, it's grown probably maybe 10 metres in 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got one growing in the yard. Now, if that, 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 are they hard to grow or in this area? Well, I'm not saying that they're hard to grow, but I know that they are more of a subtropical to tropical, tropical plant. So yeah. that's yeah. why, I mean, it's unusual that you, to see actually one that size down here, but certainly they can grow. I would probably suggest in the first few years that you protect them throughout the winter. Um, Abermain will certainly, yes, it would get fairly coolish oh, there. Yeah, we do get so, frost. So you but will probably... never seems to... It's like I say, the one in my yard now is probably uh, three metres tall. Okay, okay. But very spindly, it's just yes. straight up. Yes, well, you, uh, I don't you... know whether that's a normal growing uh, thing with them because the, the one next door, it is very compact. It doesn't branch out or like a, a deciduous tree, you know, the English deciduous trees. It just seems to be an upright sort of a growth and very dense. It does have that growth. Certainly you can promote or promote side growth just by taking the centre ah, out yes. of the tree to ah. promote side growth. But, yes, they do normally have that very upward sort of growth. But, mm. um, look, certainly, yes, if, it, if it's up to three metres, as you said now, I mean, that's a fair size. I mean, you've got it over the danger period anyway. Yeah. So I, w- I would think it will just continue to...
to grow for you. And, and what about moving? Uh, moving, I'd be a bit dubious about doing that. Yeah. Uh, if it's growing well in the spot well, that it's, it's in. It's very close to the house. I see. And, uh, and it does seem to have a very right. uh, dense uh, root. Well, Michael, if you want to move it, the only safe time to do it would be early spring, spring. yes. Yeah, yes. okay. Okay, thanks for that, David. That's You're welcome. Okay, okay, bye-bye. Thank you, Michael, and thank you, everybody, who was part of today's program. Uh, David, you've got to choose somebody from amongst this huge list of callers today, very busy people in the garden, to be the winner of today's goodies. Just run quickly through what you're giving away okay. there. All right, well, it's this beautiful little native plant which is called birthday candles, and as I said earlier, it is a great little plant because it has a lot of low foliage, only grows up to about a half a metre in height, the foliage, and then you get all these wonderful cones of the um, banks here on top that look like little birthday candles, and that's why it's given this name, of course, birthday candles. As well as that, I'm giving away a, bottle, a bag of the fertiliser as well as a, a box of the... Um, now, just getting tongue-tied here at the boat because there's too many fertilizers in this bag a box of the soluble fertilizer as well as a bag of the quick start which is the garden and lawn fertilizer as well as some sachets in the bottom of that bag and i'm going to give it to muriel of cameron park today now muriel rang us about the robinia that wasn't growing so i thought to substitute for that she might like to put one of these little birthday candles in as well somewhere in the garden so muriel all you really need to do is pop along to Walls End Community Nursery. Of course, that's on the corner of Crowders and Lake Road, Walls End. One condition is try and get in before next Monday's program where I will have a brand new gift to give away next Monday. Well, that's terrific, David. We'll look forward to seeing you next Monday. Thank you, Phil. I'll see you then, and good gardening, everyone.